it's really common for us parents to give a lot of attention when they're acting negatively. Stop jumping on the couch. You need to brush your teeth right now. Why are you taking so long? Like we kind of drill that in. They're getting a lot of attention for doing things that aren't really helpful. And then they're not getting a ton of attention when they're doing things that are helpful, when they're being helpful, when they're doing what they're told. We just let them do it and we're like, oh, and we're like relaxed and yay, they're doing what we asked them to do. We need to switch it around. Give lots of attention when they are following through, being helpful, being positive. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I'm going to do a quick little recap on apologies and how we handle apologies with children, starting mostly with young children, but these can be attributed to children of all ages. And these are some questions I've gotten uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to address this question and how we help children build empathy so that the apologies are from so that the apologies are organic and genuine. And then I'm gonna get to a question from some parents who are really struggling with discipline because they're feeling overwhelmed about what to use, when and how, and they feel like they're kind of just throwing things at the wall and trying to see what sticks and they're not being consistent and they may not be using the right tool at the right time. So I am gonna help to tease this out and show this family and anyone else out there how you can break this down and start with first things first and then add in more as you go so that you're not overwhelmed and trying to do too much at once. Okay, so for young kids and apologies, the first piece that's important to understand is that And this is true for children of any age, but it really applies to these youngest ages because they're still working on understanding empathy and what apologies are about. And that is, we never want to force an apology. We never want to say, you owe me an apology or you apologize right now, or you go over to your friend and tell her you're sorry right now. What this does is potentially work against the development of empathy. And apology isn't something we give because we're forced to, or because we're afraid of the repercussions if we don't simply comply or simply because we're told to do so. It's something we give. It's something we give because we feel remorse. So an apology needs to be organic. So as we teach our children about empathy and apologies, we want them to offer. We want to offer it. In the early stages, we offer or remind them. It looks like you hurt your friend when you swung your toy around and hit him. It would be nice if you told him you were sorry. Now, a lot of times kids think that if they didn't do it on purpose, they have no culpability. Whatever the answer, if they don't step up to apologize, then we can work on explaining why it's important. We can put them in the place of their friend. If your friend hit you with a toy and it hurt, even if he didn't do it on purpose, wouldn't you want him to say he's sorry or maybe give you a hug, make sure that you're feeling okay? 
And then you want to work towards the apology in any way he's willing to show it and show that he doesn't want his friend to feel bad. Now, most children will give some small gesture of a hug, a pat on the shoulder, are you okay? Something like that. But if they don't, you can lead by example. I'm sorry Jack's hit you with the toy. Are you feeling okay? And then you can work with the child if they're not feeling okay and show how that you help the friend feel better. Then just continue to work with your child each opportunity and they will get it. It's a process of building empathy and understanding of the other. Also remember empathy just starts to develop around the age of three and it takes many years before it's fully developed. So just know this is a process and you're helping them through and as they develop more empathy, they will get better and better at apologies, especially as you teach them more about what an apology is for and the three pieces to that apology. Okay, so now we're going to get to the question from Diane and she wrote, thank you for your help and explanation surrounding parenting and how to really try to raise my son with loving discipline. Connor is about three and a half and clearly the best thing that has ever happened to me. However, we're going through some real struggles as of late with him. I have used so many of your strategies throughout the toddler years and I guess the real struggle at this point is that nothing is really working. It could be that my husband and I are trying everything, hoping something sticks, or that we're too overwhelmed to figure out what will work best at that time. So I'm gonna to try to walk you through some typical scenarios. And I love this, Diane, you're probably right on. There's probably throwing a bunch of stuff out there and maybe um, trying to just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So I'm gonna go through some details uh, after I go through the rest of your question. Usually Connor wakes up, I get him up at about 6.45 to 7 to get ready for daycare. He takes so long to get out of bed, wanting to play, kiss all the stuffed animals, have me rub his back, etc. Then it's off to the bathroom and to wash his hands. All of this takes forever because he stops, chats, wastes time, etc. I don't want to nag, but since he takes so long, we start to run out of time, and both my husband and I have to get to work. I've tried to motivate him with positive reinforcement, tried telling him I won't be able to stay and watch him get ready if he takes too long because I have to also get ready, asking him to be a good listener, one, two, three magic, choices, but none of this motivates him. He gets silly, he wastes more time, he'll start to break down, sit on the floor, stopping the process altogether. This is pretty much the rest of the morning, repeating itself with getting dressed, brushing teeth. Fast forward to once he gets home from school at about five o'clock. More of the same, more time wasting and silliness nonstop, even when it's time for dinner, bath time, or bedtime routines. Lately, it's been ending up in a tantrum where he gets so upset that he doesn't get his way that he throws things, hits, kicks, and can't be calmed down. I've been racking my brain for changes in routine, but there really is nothing I can think of. He goes to bed and falls asleep by about 8, is up by 7, and usually has about an hour to an hour and a half nap at school, so I don't think it's lack of sleep. I've been hoping to just overcome this hurdle, but his daycare teacher spoke to me yesterday, asking if I've noticed any changes at home because he's been defiant as of late, not sitting when he needs to, not wanting to nap, and generally just pushing boundaries. She still insists he's very sweet and loves learning, but she was tracking his behavior these past few weeks and wanted to let me know. So that's really what pushed me to email. Connor is such a sweet and kind boy, and I love his funny, silly side, but I can't figure out what's up here and what to do about the power struggles. Sorry to go on and on. Thanks for all you do, Diane. Okay, so this is a great email, lots of stuff going on, lots of details. I'm going to touch on what I possibly can because there's a lot of things that are kind of one leading to another and kind of stacking upon each other. So I'm going to give tips to hopefully help you deal with some of this basic stuff. And then once that's taken care of, um, some of the uh, more, the 
the kind of spiral downward into the tantrums will hopefully take care of themselves. Um, I will say these are types of things I do work with parents on in coaching because we break it down step by step, incident by incident, and how we can walk through it. But I think I can give you enough today definitely to get you started in the right direction. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. So the first thing when we're dealing with our toddlers and children, older children even, like middle, or not middle school, elementary age children, well, even middle school children, we all do this. Um, well, even, yeah, even older kids can do this too. But the first thing we want to do is figure out the reason. What's going on with the misbehavior? In the class, it's called Misbehaviors and Solutions. I cover many reasons why kids misbehave. Now, there's four main reasons children misbehave once we've taken care of the prevention pieces of it. One of those reasons is undue attention. Children are looking for attention. And this is what strikes me what's happening here with Connor. All that fooling around, the silliness, that's looking for some attention. So 
we're going to start with the positive tools. So whenever we have a, an issue um, with a child, we want to really, really move towards the positive tools. That doesn't mean you're not going to use some of these other ones. You are. But you're really going to want to remember to be really intentional about this, the positive tools and really build that strong foundation so they're getting attention for positive things. This turns it around. It shouldn't take too long. A couple of weeks, lots of positive attention, lots of positive feedback for doing positive things when he does them will then get him to do more and more positive things. Because it's really common for us parents to give a lot of attention when they're acting negatively. Stop jumping on the couch. You need to brush your teeth right now. Why are you taking so long? Like we kind of drill that in. They're getting a lot of attention for doing things that aren't really helpful. And then they're not getting a ton of attention when they're doing things that are helpful, when they're being helpful, when they're doing what they're told. We just let them do it and we're like, oh, and we're like relaxed and yay, they're doing what we asked them to do. We need to switch it around. Give lots of attention when they are following through, being helpful, being positive. So you wanna give positive feedback every time he's doing something helpful. If he does something the first time you asked, give positive feedback. If he puts his toys away right away, thank you for putting your toys away the first time I asked. That is so helpful. You want to work on lots of positive feedback. Thank you for getting your pants on all by yourself today. That is so, that is so independent, that type of thing. Lots of positive feedback. Put lots of focus on that. Number two, special time. You want to give your children special time if they are Especially you want to focus on this if you're noticing that undue attention. Now there are some kids who are, will just push the attention piece, right? You're doing all these things, lots of positive feedback. You know, you are spending that special time with them. Um, if you're doing that and they're still kind of pushing, especially the really little ones, and especially if there's a sibling in the house, they're going to push for that attention. If they're getting plenty of attention, you're not killing yourself over it. You're not breaking your back over trying to spend as much every squeezing every second of every day that you can giving them attention. You don't have to do that. If you're giving them some special time, so special time is, you know, they get that at the end of the day when you're reading books and you're snuggling in bed, but also um, a little bit of playtime with them during the day. If you can do this a couple of times for 20 minutes, even if you can only do it once a day, that's fine. Um, when you're working there in preschool, it's a little harder to be able to do that every day. So you're trying to work it in the schedule, definitely on the weekends, maybe one or two days a week in the evenings when you can give them some special time, sit on the floor, play with them a little bit either in the morning, and we'll work on the mornings, I'll talk about that, or it, sometime in the evening, one parent's um, making dinner while the other parent's sitting and, and uh, playing blocks with him on the floor or something like that. Focus on those two things. Okay, choices. You wanna make sure you're using them properly. So there's several pitfalls to choices. I covered a little bit of this in last week's episode because there was something similar to this about um, what the pitfalls are to choices. I think I mentioned maybe one or two to those. I also have the video on the YouTube channel about all the pitfalls with choices and how to avoid them. So that is on the Your Village YouTube channel. You can just search Your Village and the channel will come up. I think it's the very top. And you can watch, I just put it out last week or a couple weeks ago. So you can watch that, all the pitfalls for choices and how to avoid those. Because if you're falling into the pitfalls, it does render them ineffective. You have to use these uh, effectively. So you're doing lots of positive feedback. You're giving them some special time. I also didn't mention, you know, if you can get them out to the park, you can get a little bit of, you know, time outside. I don't know where you live, but, you know, pull them on the sled outside. Doing some, a little bit of special time during the week. So you're doing that. You're using your choices effectively. 
and they're hopefully working better too. You're avoiding the pitfalls. You're giving solid choices with the boundaries around them. Okay, the choice doesn't work. Now you're gonna move to one, two, three magic. This is an extension of choices when choices doesn't work. You wanna offer the choice first because they're getting some freedom with that. One, two, three magic is you're doing it my way, you're doing it your, you're gonna, you're doing it. The one, two, three magic is not a choice about whether you're doing it or not, and neither is choices. It's like we're doing this, but you get to decide how we're going to do it. So you get to one, two, three magic, it's we're going to do this. So you can take your choice or I'm going to do it for you. It's, so it's kind of, a, it moves into a consequence. It's not a full positive discipline tool. It is a consequence. But if, but when you need to follow through, you need to get them moving, it removes the option for them to be in charge of making the choice. So this is used after working on the more positive options, like I said. It's basically when a child doesn't choose and you need to make things happen. So it's more of, like I said, the consequence. It gives them the final option to make their own choice before you push the issue. Also the full one, two, three magic class is up on the YouTube channel as well. So you may wanna watch that to make sure you're using this tool correctly also because there's pitfalls to that, little genius tactics where they'll find their way around it that renders one, two, three magic ineffective. So watch that class, help ensure you are, aren't falling into those pitfalls. When it comes to putting your foot down, it's important to be able to do this, especially with toddlers, because we're setting a precedent and a foundation for the discipline exchanges throughout the relationship. We're shaping them to have internal motivation and to make good decision-making skills. But when push comes to shove, we're letting them know the parent is in charge. It's time to do what I asked and you do it or I will do it for you. So we have to come in and take control. This will happen throughout their childhood and I still have to do this with my kids sometimes. Obviously I'm not like forcing them to get dressed because that's not a problem anymore, but there's other things. I'll give them opportunities to get things done in their own time. But if they butt up against the time limit or something that they wanna do or something else that needs to be done and they haven't finished their schoolwork, cleaned up their rooms, taken a shower, whatever it is, then I have to put down the consequence. I give them the choice, I give them lots of freedom, but if they don't do it, then I have to set the boundary tighter for them. Your friend can't come over until you clean up your room. I need you to take your tablet, oh, I'm gonna have to take your tablet now until your room is clean. So if you need to get your child dressed or get them in the bath because they aren't following through after a couple of opportunities to make a mature decision, it's okay to do that. It's important to do that. It sets up the foundation of who is ultimately in charge. You wanna give them the freedom, see what they're able to take on when they can't handle it. Mom and dad, mom or dad have to step in. So in the cases of getting ready in the morning, you could tell him, I'm giving you 10 minutes to get yourself ready while I go get myself dressed. When I come back in, if you're not dressed, then I will be stepping in to help. Now, obviously you're gonna give some choices there. Do you wanna wear sneakers or sandals? Do you wanna wear sneakers or boots today? Do you wanna wear jeans or your sweatpants today? Do you wanna wear this shirt or that shirt? Give him some choices, he picks his choices, you put them out, lay them out on his bed. He can get himself dressed while you go get yourself ready. He gets the opportunity. If he doesn't do it, you come back in, then you can start it on your one, two, three magic. Okay, I'm finished getting dressed, it's your turn. If you don't get started getting dressed by the count of three, I'm going to have to help you get dressed. 
Now, I know it can be a bummer when you have to wrestle a toddler to get dressed, but do it once or twice and they know you mean business. Now, I'm sure I had to do this a few times, but I really don't remember having to force them to get dressed. I do remember a few incidences of wrestling to get shoes on. I'd give them a choice of the shoes. They'd choose the shoes or they wouldn't. Okay, then I'm going to choose for you. I'd choose the shoes, then they wouldn't get them on, and I'm sitting them on my lap and I'm getting those shoes on their feet. I remember it with the car seat too. It's just not an option of whether we go get, get dressed, whether we wear shoes, or we strap into our car seat. But do it a few times, they will learn you mean it when you say it's time to get dressed, get in the car seat, put on the shoes, get in the stroller if they let go of your hand in the parking lot, etc. You set the boundary, they don't do it, you follow through. Firm but kind. Now it may not feel kind when they're screaming, raising their bum out of the car seat as you're using your forearm to force them down in and strap and buckle them in or pull that shirt over their head, but it is because it's about the safety, it's out of love. And you can give that with your voice. You can be very soothing. I realize you don't wanna get into your car seat right now. I need you to get in your car seat because we're gonna drive and it's not safe. And we can only drive if you're safely buckled in your car seat. I love you, I need you to stay safe. We're putting the car seat on right now. So your your voice is soothing, but you're you're being strong and setting the boundary and you're pushing through. Okay, so there's a ton I could dig into here, breaking it all the way down as far as exactly how to offer choices first, then when and how to move to one, two, three in each instance, but I think I gave some pretty good ideas of how to do that already with the morning routine. Um, But this is the type of detail I get into with coaching, so parents can give more feedback about exact incidences, what's happening, their current reactions. But hopefully the videos on the YouTube channel along with these tips will help get you going in the right direction. One last tip, using logical positive consequences can often do wonders. So if you, if he has a favorite toy or activity, a leftover time before you have to leave for school, he can use that time to do that activity, playing with blocks, his trains, coloring, whatever it is. You could even have a special toy they can only play with in the morning before you leave. And if he's ready on time, He can have five to 10 minutes to play with that toy before you leave for work or school. If you're interested in learning more about the reasons children misbehave, how to fix each of them, the class misbehaviors and solutions, power struggles, getting kids to listen, more positive discipline, or any of the 60 parenting classes. Available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Also, don't forget about the app in the Google Play Store and the Apple Store called Parenting Beyond Discipline. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.